Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson, and in this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Ross Simmons, the founder of Foundation Marketing, where he helps Fortune 500 brands and startups to create content that grows their audience and builds meaningful relationships with their readers. And what I love most about Ross is that he has his hand in a lot of different projects. He's also the founder of two separate and growing side businesses, Hustle and Grind, an e-commerce store for entrepreneurs and create a suite of social media and content marketing software tools. Somewhere in the mix, Ross also finds time to write for top business publications, the likes of VentureBeat, Success Magazine, and Salesforce, and delivers super high energy speeches at conferences like MozCon, SearchLove, and WistiaFest. In this episode, Ross and I talk about how he's built a process around landing content marketing deals with everyone from Fortune 500 brands to some of the world's fastest growing startups, including his approach to outreach, following up, and formulating a pitch. We dig into how he juggles running multiple other growing businesses on the side of his content marketing company and why this part of his life has had such a profound impact on what he's been able to achieve. We cover his favorite online tools that he uses to manage his businesses, the most memorable negotiation Ross has ever been a part of, his best pieces of advice for fellow entrepreneurs, and more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrop.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Ross Simmons. Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat with you and share some insights with uh, everybody today. All right, Ross. So you've been in the world of consulting out there selling your services for quite a while now, and it's something you've also written and talked a lot about. So do you remember the first consulting client that you landed that really felt like, you know, maybe a tipping point for your business, like this is here to stay? Yeah, so I definitely remember the first one that I landed when I was out on my own. Um, the first one that I got with a client was kind of like through the senior team and the executives. I started in the agency world, so I got a chance to see how they operate. But my first client that came directly to me for Ross um, and my ideas and my thinking came after I emceed a local tech event. So I was the MC, and in my actual intro, I talked about content marketing a little bit and talked about hustle and how startups need to kind of hustle to get ahead. And then from there, the CEO of a local startup reached out to me and he was like, I'm very interested in what you do. I'd love to chat with you. And then from there, uh, we kickstarted a relationship that eventually led to me quitting my nine to five and uh, having my first client. So, you know, with that very first client you landed, what would you say were some of the tactics or value props, you know, strategies right. that were at play in closing that deal? Yeah, so I think the, the key piece for me in terms of like getting the client was the fact that I was able to demonstrate expertise early on. So one of the things that I talk about often is that I believe that speaking and public speaking is a superpower amongst all sales professionals, all marketing professionals that is hugely underrated. The reason why I believe it's like a superpower is you're automatically given the strength of being seen as an authority. So as soon as you're speaking in front of a crowd, people look at you as somebody who's going to deliver them the truth and something that has been kind of 
taken through a fine tooth comb with the people who have put on the event to ensure that you're delivering value. So you're immediately seen as an authority. And I think that that was the first key piece that I had when I got this first client. The fact that I was emceeing, the fact that I was talking about content marketing established me as an authority, even though I was only in my early 20s and I hadn't really gotten too much experience. Um, at the same time, I think that once I had that established kind of position in the market as an authority at that time, I was able to kind of uh, demonstrate some expertise further by having a few case studies behind me. So being equipped with a few case studies, a few testimonials, or a few things that you can point to, to say, I helped do this. I helped accomplish this for a certain brand. I helped do this for my own personal brand, whatever that may be, I think allows you to have a little bit of additional credibility, which is key. So uh, when you're first getting started, credibility is at the foundation of trying to establish your consulting career. Uh, if people don't trust you, if people don't believe that you can actually deliver results for them, you're not going to get any business. So establishing that sense of credibility up front is very important. Public speaking allows you to do that. And then once you've gotten through that initial kind of crocodile brain uh, where people are kind of afraid of whether or not they should actually trust you or not, it's time to deliver them with some insights and information around, yes, I can deliver. This is a case study that supports it. And I'm really glad you mentioned case studies and testimonials in particular. And I think that's, right. I mean, that's hugely important for any business, right? But specifically when it, when you're talking about the consultant, the person that right. you're placing individual trust in, yeah. um, has your sales process changed, evolved at all? Do you, or do you sort of do, you know, speaking event and then take those leads and transition right. them into clients? So my sales funnel right now is quite diverse. It's no longer just like winging it and trying to do a talk here and there and hoping that leads come to me. Um, it's a lot more quantifiable in terms of kind of inbound leads generated through content that we're developing on the foundation blog, but also through the rossimmons.com blog. Uh, and then of course, through guest blog posts that I would do on a variety of different sites. So on a monthly basis, we're generating leads through the content that we're developing. And then as those leads come in, we nurture the leads with content that we're publishing on a regular basis, but also by jumping on a call and uh, having a conversation or a discovery to audit their content channels, to review what they have today and kind of start laying the foundation around what it would look like to work together. So that's one element. Public speaking is still a huge part of my biz dev. Um, I think that, it, like I said, it's a superpower. I, I can do a talk in front of a crowd of 100 and I can guarantee that I'm going to walk away with uh, a solid funnel of new leads that um, have a significant amount of value to the company. So uh, public speaking is definitely an important one in inbound as well. Outbound efforts is something that I've been dabbling in over the last 12 months uh, and I've been able to find some great success with it. And I think that it's something that I'm going to continue to double down on. And it's only been something that I've really been able to invest in recently because time has become uh, something I actually have. Uh, now that I started to hire and build out my team, I have the time to sink my teeth into it. So it's something that I've started to invest in as well. I want to dig into that outbound component. Um, For sure. A lot of the people watching today, they're, you know, they're startup founders, they're sales reps, they're sales managers, yeah. um, they're consultants, they're people who are out there selling themselves. And and a lot of that is going out and drumming up your own business. So right. when, when you're looking for, you know, like a, a prospective client, someone that you might want to work with, what kinds right. of factors do you typically take into consideration when you're evaluating whether they'd be a good fit to pitch? 
For sure. So I look at, first and foremost, like the clients that I've had success with. So um, our bread and butter is B2B brands, organizations that go through like the B2B sales funnel. Uh, we don't excel or we don't focus on the B2C side of things. So de- getting someone a whole bunch of different downloads for uh, the next Snapchat or the next Instagram isn't necessarily our forte, but we do extremely well with assisting with the content creation and sales funnel for, for B2B brands, startups, ambitious kind of uh, Fortune 500 companies but he's looking to kind of raise the market cap through, through sales and generating content and things of that nature. So we start by thinking about who it is that we service really well. And then we set up parameters around where they would be spending time online uh, to kind of gather data around. So that could be anything from LinkedIn. That could be gathering data through Sales Navigator where we're looking to say, okay, we want to target people who who are at a company over 50 people, uh, their CMOs, their VPs of marketing, their digital marketers, their content marketers, uh, and that they have changed their job within the last 60 days or something because that means they're always interested in shaking things up and trying something new. Uh, You look for those people and then we essentially put them in a spreadsheet which then leads to kind of nurturing the relationship through some outbound outreach. Uh, there's a few tools that we use like DocSoup on LinkedIn, which does a great job at kind of scanning the profiles and gathering data. And that's one that I've been using recently. Again, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert in the outbound side yet, um, but come give me a show in a year and I guarantee you I will. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's something that I definitely am sinking my teeth in heavily. Um, and I think there's a lot of potential with it. But right now, it's really understanding who we service best, doing research through things like AngelList, Crunchbase, uh, and just like understanding who we would serve well and seeing what type of assets they have out there in the market today. And you mentioned that you're starting to build out a sales team or a team of people at least that's helping you with doing outbound, maybe even dealing with inbound leads. So right. when, it, when it comes to bringing people like that on board for your team, what yeah. kinds of you know, experience or traits, qualities, characteristics are you looking for in someone to help you out with sales? Yeah, so the people who we're bringing in primarily are on the like inbound side. So they, they're playing a role in kind of that bridge between creating the content that would live on the site and the content that would align with our audience. But also once that person kind of downloads a resource and they start coming into the funnel, they're building up kind of the outreach around how we would follow up with them and things of that nature. So um, I wouldn't say that they're doing the necessarily outbound research or the actual outbound um, like outreach. They're doing more of the like inbound management of the relationships and things like that. One of the pieces that they do do though is like lead uh, prospecting and gathering uh, the data around who it is that we should be talking to. So things that they would look for would be, they look at a blog, they see if they haven't been updated in two months and then they add them to a spreadsheet. It says they wrote their last blog post on October 14th, 2016. You need to reach out to them because it's been a year and nobody is kind of publishing content. Uh, so those are the types of insights that we would look for. And then we use that to say, Hey, we noticed your blog hasn't been updated for quite a while. Would you be interested in learning about our process for creating content with clients like you? We'd be happy to chat and stuff like that. I like that. I think that's a really good lesson is, you know, finding the triggers that tells you someone is a good potential prospect. Right. Yeah. I think that's key. I think a lot of people, and I'm sure you get them too. I get these emails every day from somebody who's asking me to, to uh, 
to offer me services on content marketing or offer me services on how to uh, optimize a blog post for click-through rates or how to even grow my Instagram account, which I already have that's over 150,000 like, followers. It's like, come on, do your research. Uh, if you're reaching out to someone, you have to understand their current situation and you ask, also have to understand how you can help them. Um, customizing that is key. Another tool that I just came across that is very interesting to me is Soapbox from a, a company called Wistia. So what it allows you to do is record a video uh, as well as your screen and talk to people and give a demo like directly via email. So for example, if I was to send you an email and I was doing an audit of your content strategy, I could press record, talk to you like we're talking to each other right now um, and send that to you via email. So it's, it makes it a little bit more dynamic uh, and it's a pretty clever approach to kind of building that one-to-one -one relationship because at the end of the day, people buy from people. So if they can put a face to uh, the name in the inbox, it's always good. Yeah. And especially doing something like that, that stands so far outside of the crowd is, you know, mm -hmm. when, when you're talking about people in your inbox that are like, Hey, here's how to grow Instagram, but you have 150,000 followers. What about right. someone that sends you a customized video that's exactly. like to you? I like right. that. Exactly. It definitely would give you an ability to stand out. And at the very least, you're going to get a call um, because you were customized or at least a response. Like sometimes you won't get a response at all. So if somebody takes the time to customize it, they're saying your name, maybe even they're holding up a sign with your name on it to make it even more personalized, you know, you're going to get a response. Shifting gears a little bit now, um, you've also launched several of your own products on top yes. of the consulting work you do. You know, create mm -hmm. social media, content marketing tool being one of them. Can you right. tell us more about what that product is? Definitely. So many moons ago, when I was kind of like a, just getting started in this world of marketing, um, I was tasked with managing client social media accounts. So I was scheduling uh, tweets. I was finding content that would go into their newsletter. I was finding content that they should share on Facebook, on LinkedIn, all that stuff, essentially content curation. And I got to a point where I was going through the same tasks over and over again. And I started to realize, okay, if you start doing something over and over again, clearly a script or some type of technology can do the same thing. So I had this epiphany that I could replace that ongoing process of content curation. Um, and we developed Crate, which is essentially a content curation service that goes out regardless of your industry. It doesn't matter if you're in antiques. It doesn't matter if you're in marketing. It doesn't matter if you're in video or if you're in coffee business. We'll go out and we'll find content that is relevant to you uh, that you should be sharing on social media. So it allows you to put your social media accounts on autopilot uh, by simply going in and kind of scheduling the content to go out in advance. So uh, it's a great service. I strongly recommend people listening to check it out and uh, give us as much feedback as possible. We're still in the early stages of the product development, uh, but we really want to uh, help make the social media manager spend more time on things that matter rather than some of the tasks that can truly become repetitive. And is that a free or paid tool? So it's a free tool, but there are paid options as well. So we offer um, three different levels of a plan, but when you sign up for the first um, month or so, you can use it for absolutely free and you'll get the full suite. And then over time, it will transition into a paid product. How did you guys go about getting your first users, your first customers in the door with that? Right. So that was pure cold outreach. So uh, what we did with that one, it was going through. So do you remember Buffer? What was it called? Buffer Suggestions. So Buffer Suggestions used to be a tool that allowed you to click a button and it would automatically push out content to your social media channels. When they announced that they were retiring that feature, a bunch of people in the Buffer community commented on their blog and they said, we're upset. We wish that this tool existed. Um, 
we're really upset that we no longer have this functionality. When I saw that happen, I told the team, look, we need to make sure that this is integrated with Buffer. We rolled that out in a week. Then from there, we scraped everybody's name and email who commented on that blog post and we reached out to them and we said, hey, I saw that you were mad because Buffer got rid of suggestions. Would you be interested in giving our product a shot? And that gave us our first, uh, I'd say maybe 200 or so signups, which was awesome. Wow, that's awesome. And I would imagine there was a really high conversion rate to that email. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy. It was, uh, it was an exciting win um, for sure. And we, we really used that to kind of gain insights around what the product needed, how to improve it. Uh, and then shortly after that, we launched on Product Hunt and it was off to the races. Awesome. So shifting the focus um, a little bit again, who would be, does anyone stick out in your mind as, as a particularly impressive salesperson that you've gotten to you know, meet, work with, or maybe someone who's even sold you something? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hmm, that's a great question. So a gentleman that I know uh, who I believe is a great sales professional, he's not very popular in the social media world, uh, but his name is Kevin Dolan. He's, he used to work for Salesforce. Um, he worked at Oracle and companies like that. And he's just, he taught me in the early days of my career some great fundamentals around sales and how to do, um, how to think about your sales outreach in terms of like the funnel. So uh, thinking about it from the lens of that first initial contact, you have to make sure that you're following up. And if you don't follow up, then you're reducing your likelihood of actually converting. So he instilled in me some early on, some fundamentals that I've used and that I've embraced. Another gentleman was a friend of mine named Zach Woodward. Uh, he runs a company called Wood Social. Uh, what he essentially showed me was the world of automation from a sales perspective. So those two guys, uh, they're both from the East Coast of Canada and they, they taught me a lot from uh, kind of in the early days of my sales career. And then over time, I've evolved to learning from some great people that everybody kind of has heard of. So I read a lot of the work that Sujan Patel puts out. Uh, he's created Mailshake and what they're putting out has just been amazing. And then Steli and the entire team at Closed.io have, have done a great job with some of the content that they've been creating and the stories that they've shared around how to be better and more effective with uh, your social, with your outreach approach. So uh, following some of their content has truly been um, a significant player in assisting me kind of not only recognizing the importance of doing outbound outreach and sales, uh, but also understanding uh, the role that content can play in the mix. So I love what uh, the folks at Closed.io have been doing with the, the combination of both creating content that is valuable and then using that to not only generate leads, but also to nurture them down the road. So I want to dig into one of the things you mentioned there, and that was, uh, you know, one of your sort of mentors of, a, of, of sorts uh, taught you the importance of following up when it comes to sales. How many yeah. times would you say that you find you have to follow right. up on average in order to close a deal? Right. So on average, I would say that you have to follow up a significant amount of times and it, it's probably an annoying amount of times. Uh, I forget who said it, but somebody put out a quote that said, if you do not feel like you're annoying, then you're not following up enough. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth in that where you need to be aggressive with your following up outreaches. Uh, like on average, I'd say three to four, you're going to get that rejection or you're going to get that confirmation. But I would continue following up until I hit like six or seven. Um, so I think that following up is a key piece. And I'd say that the, it's one of those elements that uh, slows a lot of people down. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. Um, you know, what would be, does any, 
sort of um, deal stick out in your mind as having been a particularly difficult negotiation? And whether you actually won the deal or not, any takeaways from that? Right. So one of the clients that uh, is now a client, um, so when you go from working with the startup world where things get approved very quickly and within like months, sometimes weeks, sometimes days, and then you start moving into the Fortune 500 world and you're starting to deal with year-long, sometimes two-year cycles of closing a contract, it's a huge awakening. So um, going through that process was dreadful, but a huge learning curve for me. So in the early days of trying to close Fortune 500 companies, if I didn't hear back from a client in like three months or three weeks, I would start freaking out and I'd say, it's done. Like I lost it. But then four months later, they'd follow up and they're like, we just got this through procurement and we're getting closer. And I'm like, it's been four months. Like, why why are you still putting things through procurement? Like this should be locked in and done. But uh, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned when you start dealing with these bigger companies is be ready for delays, be ready to be patient um, and recognize that they're just, they're, they're one of those big cruise ships and typically startups are a speedboat. A speedboat can go 360 degrees really quickly. A cruise ship takes a very long time to adjust their sails and move in a different direction. So for me, the biggest lesson was just having patience and understanding that those larger companies often have a, a longer sales cycle, which requires some nurturing, but also just letting them do their thing behind closed doors and dealing with the internal politics that they have to get through. Yeah. And I think knowing that ahead of time will also give you, you know, sort of a, a very good idea of, you know, whether or not this is the type of client that you want to work with or that you can even right. handle working with. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I think it's also when you, when you understand that you need to also uh, one, I forget who it was that told me it, but it's a great idea. And it's, it's simply the fact that because you're going to have to put in so much work to even get those types of deals signed, you need to ensure that your pricing is reflective of that. So you include in your pricing the time that is going to be sunk into earning this client before you actually get the client. So if you're putting together a scope, just two exit because you're going to be waiting forever and you're going to be putting in time and you're going to get a few gray hairs uh, waiting for the dotted line. So just increase your prices and when you get it, it's going to be a great priority. That's a great takeaway. So Ross, this is going to be my last question for you. What's right. been the best investment you've ever made in the context of building your selling skills? So this could be, you know, form of time, money, tools, education, resources, or otherwise. Yeah, so that's a great question. I'd say the best resource that I've ever invested in uh, was a book. What was the book called? I got to remember this book. It was, uh, uh, what is it called? E-Myth Revisited. So E-Myth Revisited, great book. Um, strongly recommend that people check it out. Uh, it talks about from a like entrepreneurship perspective, how to rethink the way that we approach the world and how we approach our own businesses, especially if you're creating it. Um, I really enjoyed that book. And I think it's something that um, everybody needs to, to read if you're an entrepreneur, or even if you're in this, a sales professional in general. Um, it's a great read and I would strongly recommend people read it. Another one is the hundred, I think it's called the million dollar consultant. 
um, I forget the author's name, uh, but it's another great book on consulting and some of the different touch points that are required to close a deal. Uh, and it talks about the importance of recognizing that it's not just one channel, it's multiple touch points that influence the decision at the end of the day. So Emeth Revisited, I definitely would recommend and a hundred million, not a hundred million dollar consultant uh, is another great book to read. Awesome. All right, Ross. Well, thank you for joining us. Can you tell everyone watching today where they can go to learn more about you and everything you're up to? Definitely. Uh, so you can find me at rosssimmons.com. There's a bunch of free resources. If you're interested in consulting, I write about that. I write about freelancing. I write very transparently about some of my successes and failures in this industry. Um, and I'd love to connect with you through my site, but also on Twitter at the coolest cool created my Twitter handle in university. So please don't judge, but I would love to connect with everyone. Uh, it's always, uh, it's always great to meet new people and ambitious, ambitious folks from all over the world. Beautiful. All right. Well, Ross, thank you again for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.